Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Abroad Pod. I'm your host, Nicole, and this is episode number 12. So it's just me, myself, and I again today, and I will be sharing some tips on how to travel on a budget. I always try to travel on a budget, and especially now more than ever with COVID-19 and a lot of people being out of work, travel might not be a priority, but if it is, here are some tips on how to do it affordably. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and after the tips, the destination segment for this week will be Bermuda. This is actually the last Caribbean location that I'll be talking about before moving into South America. So I hope you guys enjoy. Let's get into the episode. not the most affordable hobby. It is actually very expensive. Flights can be very expensive. Hotels can be very expensive. Food in other countries can be very expensive or very cheap. It depends where you're going. For example, Southeast Asia is very affordable, but if you're trying to buy yourself a three-course dinner in London, that is going to cost you. So travel is not the most affordable activity, but I do have some tips on how to travel on a budget and how to make it as affordable as possible. So, beginning with the flights, because that is how most of you are probably going to arrive at your destination, (laughs) my first tip is to find cheap flights. Now, I actually did a whole episode about this. If you want to go back and listen to episode number five, I explained how to find cheap flights and what what apps I use and basically how to find budget airlines. They might get you some baggage fees, but I love budget airlines. (laughs) So listen to episode 5 for that, but I do recommend browsing sites such as Skyscanner and Kayak just to see what the prices are. Those websites are great because they basically collect flight prices from like 30 different websites and compare them so you can see which price is the cheapest. And then I also track flights on Google Flights. I explained this in episode number five, but basically you just put out the date you want to depart, and if the flight is very expensive on that day, it will give you like a red circle, and if it's cheap, it'll give you a green, and if it's moderate, it'll give you, I think it's like an orange or yellow. So basically you want to play around with your destination and your departure date and try to find a green flight. So listen to that episode for more details. I spent like a half hour going over that, but definitely try to find cheap flights because they can be very expensive. If you're flying far away, it can cost you over $1,000, which right there is a giant portion of most people's budgets. So try to find cheap flights. If you can, road trip. That is an extremely affordable way to travel. I actually just did a whole episode about road tripping last week with my friend Marin. We actually recorded it from the middle of Kentucky because my car broke down on a road trip, but you get some first-hand experience when listening to that episode. (laughs) But road tripping is very affordable. I think I filled up my car five times. My car is very good on gas. I got about 500 miles for 20 bucks. Divide by two, I spent $10 each time. 
we filled up five times. That is 50 bucks on transportation to 13 states. So definitely recommend road tripping if you can. And then also going along with cars are buses. Buses are very, very affordable in most countries around the world and actually a pretty practical way to get around, especially in places like the, in Europe where the continent is actually very small and the countries are quite close to one another. You can actually hop on a bus in like Florence or Rome, for example, in Italy and get up to Prague, Czech Republic or Munich, Germany overnight and it will cost you like 20 US dollars maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but they can be very affordable. I took a short bus, probably like two or three hours from Brussels, Belgium to Paris, France, and I think that one was like $8. So definitely look into buses. In the U.S., they're pretty good too. I'm not sure about Canada or... I know Australia is way too big (laughs) to be on a bus. It would take you like 40 hours to get to the next city. The continent is huge. But yeah, I definitely recommend buses, road tripping, and those are my tips for flights. So let's talk about accommodation. So obviously you want a cheap accommodation that will save you, but obviously you still want to be safe. You never want to go so cheap that you're in danger and you want it to be clean. Like I am more than willing to kind of rough it to save some money, but it has to be clean. I really don't care if I'm sleeping on the ground as long as I have fresh sheets and I don't see mold, (laughs) I'm happy. So here are some of my tips for finding cheap accommodation. First, hostels are your best friend. I've talked about this before, but hostels are very cheap, very safe, and a great option overall. Here's a little tip about hostels that a lot of people may not know. Basically, they are shared dorm rooms with bunk beds and the more people in a room the cheaper they will be so basically if you have 16 people in a room versus eight you're probably going to pay half the price also i really hate this and i don't know why it's the case but if you choose to sleep in a co-ed dorm meaning the bunk beds may be shared by both men and women from around the world it's cheaper than an all-female or all-male dorm i usually pay a little bit more for the all-female dorm but That's just something you should know. Hostels are mostly outside the U.S., and that is where you can find the cheapest ones by far. In countries such as India, you can stay at a hostel for like $2 a night. In Europe, they're probably about $20 a night. In Australia, maybe like $30. And then in the U.S., they can get up to like $50 a night. There are hostels in the U.S., but they're few and far between. So I'll be talking about some other options for the U.S. now. So Airbnbs, we all know what an Airbnb is. Those can be pretty affordable, especially if you're sharing them. That is my tip for traveling on a budget. If you're with several friends or a family, is to split the cost of an Airbnb. It will be much cheaper than a hotel room or a hotel suite if you're traveling with a lot of people. And then moving on to hotels... So I'm not really going to talk about resorts and like your nice four-star hotels because let's face it, we're not staying there if we're traveling on a budget. (laughs) But there are several budget hotels that exist. So for example, in the U.S., there's Red Roof Inn, Motel 6, Super 8, and these will be standardized across the country. So no matter where you stay, they're going to look basically the same. 
They're not super nice, but I will say they are clean for the most part and pretty affordable. During my road trip with Marin last week, we stayed at several of these around the Appalachian region in the U.S. and like the Midwest and around Nashville, so the South, and they cost probably about $60 for a night, but because we were both in there, it was 30 bucks a person. So keep those in mind. And just another little tidbit about hotels. Obviously, the ones that are located right downtown have the best location and will hence save you money on transportation because you should be able to walk everywhere, but those will be the most expensive. So when booking a hotel, I would consider kind of the attractions you'd like to see and what's nearby, but at the same time, just remember that if you are staying right in Times Square in New York City, for example, you're going to be paying a hell of a lot more than you would if you stayed in Brooklyn. So just keep that in mind. And then three other accommodation tips I wanted to bring up that are extremely affordable but also way less common are number one, woofing. (laughs) You heard that right, woofing. It stands for the Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Basically, you work in exchange for free accommodation. This is actually very common in a lot of countries around the world, so if you're a little adventurous and you're traveling alone, maybe consider it. You'd get to stay for free. There's also couch surfing, where you get to sleep on people's couches around the world, and that is like a big community where if you host someone, maybe, or if someone hosts you eventually down the road, you should be able to host them. And then also to be an au pair. I know this doesn't really have to do with your typical vacation, but if you're looking for a way to travel on a budget, you could consider being an au pair because by watching some cute kiddos, you get to stay in the home for free and you usually get free food. So there you go. (laughs) Okay, now moving on to transportation. So obviously you want to take public transportation as the cheapest way to get around any city in the world, hands down. The, actually I take that back, that is a cheaper way to get around. The cheapest way (laughs) to get around is, hopefully you guys know, strapping on your sneakers and going for a walk. (laughs) Walking is obviously free, but it can be very tiring, especially if you're covering a lot of ground. So public transportation should be your best friend, along with renting a bike or a scooter. I wanted to throw that in there. A lot of cities have something called like city bikes or something where you can pay a couple dollars and you can rent a bike for a little bit. That is a more efficient and environmentally friendly way to get around. And then there's also scooters like lime scooters or bird scooters. I actually rode bird scooters last week in Washington, D.C., And it was great because we got down the mall, which the National Mall is one mile, by the way, so it's a little bit of a hike, but we got down it in much less time than we would have if we walked. The one downside is it was so expensive. I don't know if that's because it was DC or what, but it literally was a dollar a minute. So we only did it for like 10 minutes because it wasn't that cost efficient, but it was fun. (laughs) And then the last little tip I have about transportation should be obvious and that is to avoid Ubers. I know it can be so tempting after a long day to just grab an Uber, wear a cab back to your hotel, but it's so expensive. You're basically just throwing out money. Like an Uber from 
the Louvre back to your hotel in Paris could literally be $30 or you could take the metro for like four. So just keep that in mind. I definitely have taken Ubers before at the end of the day when I've basically given up all hope (laughs) on getting home, but just think about it because that can be very expensive. Okay, so now I've covered flights, accommodation, and transportation. So just a few more random tips for you guys. So the first has to do with food, and that is to pack granola bars and snacks with you. Even if you're flying, you can pack this food in a checked bag. If you're road tripping, obviously this won't be a problem, but I try to eat granola bars when I travel for breakfast. It's not the healthiest thing, but it's free and it usually does the job. And then my second tip is to grocery shop, especially if you're renting a house, an Airbnb, or staying in a hostel. You should really do this. Not only is it, good, not only is it a good way to get to know where you're staying, Especially if you're in a foreign country, I think grocery shopping is actually really cool and like a good way to get to know the culture, but it's so much cheaper than eating out. Hostels have shared kitchens that you can use so you can just buy your food and keep it in the fridge and cook it whenever you want. And then obviously most Airbnbs come with a kitchen, so you should definitely cook a couple times if you can. And then another tip I have is to avoid bars. I know that's sad to hear, But if you want to go out and you're with friends or something, consider purchasing alcohol ahead of time and maybe just pre-gaming in your Airbnb or something. I know a lot of bachelorette parties do that. It's a lot cheaper and then you can hit the club (laughs) or some bars later on in the night, but drinks really add up. Like that can be so much, like even more expensive than food. It can be a lot more expensive than food if you have a long night out. So consider that, especially if you're a study abroad student, I definitely recommend pre-gaming a little bit. You didn't hear this from me, but (laughs) don't spend all your money at bars. And then the last tip I have has to do with, actually I have two more tips, three. (laughs) Okay, so first, look up discounts for activities. Groupon, if you're a student, you should be absolutely getting student discounts everywhere you go. I know a lot of places give teacher discounts and like veteran discounts. And then also check for last minute deals, both online or if you show up at some sort of box office or a ticket office right before the event or the attraction closes, they might give you guys discounted tickets. But always try to get things discounted. You usually can if you try enough. Okay, tip number two, do not go on a shopping spree when traveling. (laughs) Whenever I travel, I usually buy myself an ornament and a postcard, but honestly, that's it. If I really love something, like a shirt or maybe a little cute something for my future home, (laughs) I'll treat myself to it, but I really don't try to buy a lot. You know, collect memories, not things. It's so cheesy, but it's true. You guys take plenty of photos. Like, that should be enough. So don't go overboard with the souvenirs. Don't buy yourself a whole new wardrobe. One, you probably won't have the room to bring it home. Two, you might have the room, but the airlines don't. You'll have to pay literally $100 in bag fees. Or three, they just add up and it's going to be so expensive. So don't go on a shopping spree. And my last tip, so tip number three, is kind of has to do with accommodation. And that is all inclusives can be a steal. So all inclusives mean that you get your accommodation, drinks, and food included. And that number might seem very high off the bat when you're booking online. But in the long run, was a great deal. 
So definitely look up all-inclusives, especially if you're traveling to places in the Caribbean or like the U.S. Um, I wouldn't go for something like that in Europe. That's just going to be very lavish. I would definitely do like a hostel. But all-inclusives can be great. In episode three, I talked about how to score the deal of a lifetime in Mexico. My boyfriend and I got a great deal on an all-inclusive on CheapCaribbean.com. So remember that website, CheapCaribbean.com. And if you want to learn more about all-inclusives and how you can save money, head to episode three after this one. But those are basically all my budget tips. I hope you guys learn something new and always try to travel affordably because that way you can travel more. That is my life motto. (laughs) Make your money go further. And now let's get into Bermuda. Alright, so per usual, I'm going to start with some facts about Bermuda before getting into my personal recommendations. So, Bermuda is a British overseas territory in the North Atlantic Ocean. It's actually at the same latitude of the Carolinas, so that is very important to mention because it doesn't get that hot there. If you travel in Bermuda in the winter or even early spring like March, it might be quite cold, like 60s or 70s, probably 60s. So the best time to visit Bermuda is definitely the summer. A lot of people go in August when it's 80 degrees and sunny. But Bermuda is known for its pink sand beaches, which I'll talk about in a little bit. The island has a unique blend of American and British culture with an island flair, of course. The capital of Bermuda Island is Hamilton, and one of its most famous attractions is the Royal Naval Dockyard, which I will also talk about in a little bit. And then you guys should know that if you cruise to Bermuda, which is extremely common from various regions in the U.S., since no flying is required, it's very easy to just cruise to Bermuda, you'll most likely dock at the Royal Naval Dockyard. So, like I just mentioned, cruising to Bermuda is very common. The only downside is from wherever you're leaving in the U.S., like whether it's in the north, like Boston or New York ports, or down in Florida, it will take you about two days to get to Bermuda, and these cruises are usually one week. So if you think about it, it's two or two and a half days to get there, two and a half to three days on the island, and two and a half days back. So you're really not spending too much time there. I personally recommend flying. It's a very short flight if you're coming from the U.S. I always give the reference of Boston because that's where I'm from. But the flight to Bermuda from Boston was only two and a half hours. So super easy. I definitely recommend doing that. And once you're on the island, there is a ton to explore, including the infamous Bermuda Triangle shipwrecks. So, in terms of where to stay, my family and I were in Bermuda for four nights, which I think is the perfect amount of time. We actually stayed across the harbor from Hamilton, which I mentioned is the capital, at a hotel called Newstead Belmont Hills Golf Resort and Spa. This place had a great infinity pool and was really nice, but we did have to take a ferry across the harbor to get to to Hamilton. So I think if I were to go back, I would try to stay right around Hamilton because this was a bit of a hassle, but this hotel was really nice if you need a place to stay. And now in terms of what to do in Bermuda. The first street facing the water in Hamilton is called Front Street. 
how creative. <laughs> and this is where most shops and restaurants are located. I would definitely explore this area. You'll probably end up eating dinner several times here. And then after exploring Hamilton, I recommend taking a ferry to the Royal Naval Dockyard and check out the wharf and the museums located here. This is also where Dolphin Quest Bermuda is located, so if you love dolphins, maybe not as much as I do, but <laughs> if you love dolphins, you can swim with them here. That was actually a highlight of the trip when we went. Another activity that I recommend doing on vacation is to get to Horseshoe Bay Beach and explore. So like I mentioned earlier, Bermuda is known for its pink sandy beaches, and this is probably the most famous one on the island and is a perfect place to swim. Another activity I recommend is to take a glass bottom boat tour. This is a perfect activity for exploring the shipwrecks of the infamous Bermuda Triangle. So this tour was really awesome. I don't remember the name of the company, unfortunately, but there's tons in the Caribbean. But we could see shipwrecks and colorful fish below us on the boat and then we obviously had the opportunity to snorkel the shipwreck, which was super cool, and even jump off the boat. The Bermuda Triangle is one of the world's most mysterious phenomenons and is full of sunken aircrafts and ships. It's super eerie, but I definitely recommend exploring a wreck before leaving the island. It's something that is unique to Bermuda. And one of the last things I recommend is to explore the Crystal and Fantasy Caves. So there's a fun legend behind these caves I'd like to share. And that legend says that two boys were playing cricket when a ball fell into a small hole that was emitting warm air. One of the boys ventured into the hole with only a rope and a headlamp to discover Bermuda's most beautiful attraction. Today, thousands of visitors visit the caves each year to see the crystal chandeliers. And a fun fact about the caves is that Mark Twain was actually the first tourist to descend into the caves in 1908. Crazy. <laughs> and then the last recommendation I have for activities is to explore the east end of the island. That's where you'll find St. George's, which was Bermuda's first English, first English settlement. And this part of the island has a ton of history, so definitely check it out if you get the chance. In terms of dining, I recommend the dining room at Gibbs Hill Lighthouse. It's a restaurant that sits at the, at the base of a lighthouse on a hill overlooking the island. We went here at dinner time, obviously, so we saw a beautiful sunset and had one of the best views of Bermuda from up above. And then lastly, I talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but a lot of people visit in August because that's when the island is at its warmest. We visited in June several years ago and also thought this was the perfect time. So basically, if you'd like to book a trip to Bermuda, I recommend flying, especially if you're coming from the US, and I recommend visiting in the summer months. But that's all about Bermuda. Alright guys, and that brings us to the end of this episode. So as usual, I will link the blog post associated with the destination segment in the show notes. So if you guys want to read a little bit more about Bermuda, you can find that there. And like I mentioned, check out episodes 5, I think it was, with the cheap flights, and episode 3 um, about Mexico and the all-inclusive resort steel for more budget tips. But I hope you guys enjoyed listening and got something out of this. 
Remember to always travel on a budget. It will get you to more places in the long run. So with that being said, I will see you guys next Wednesday with another episode. Have a good week.